Welcome to the Tea and Gardens podcast, where we drink tea and explore the gardens of Victoria, BC. This is the companion piece to the video series, which was filmed on the Kwangan Territory in spring 2022, the year of the garden. We couldn't make this series without visiting Butchart Gardens, the most popular tourist destination in Victoria. It's located a 20-minute drive from downtown in Brentwood Bay, and this group of floral display gardens spans 55 acres, receiving over a million visitors each year. Wow. Impressive, right? We arrived to film this episode early in the morning, before the garden was open to the public. It was fascinating to see all the dedicated workers preparing for the day as the sun was rising over this national historic site of Canada. This was the last garden we visited because we waited as long as possible so we could see it in all its glory. Despite the cold spring setting things back, the garden was vibrant and many flowers were blooming, including in the sunken garden, where we met our first guest on a bright, sunny morning. Well, good morning. My name's Carlos Monez, and I am the Director of Horticulture here at the Butcher Gardens. How long have you had that job? Uh, I've been the Director of Horticulture for coming up on three years now, and uh, I've been a part of the gardens. Uh, I'm entering my 48th year here, being employed at the gardens. 48th year? 48th year, yes. That's very impressive. Yeah, Do you yeah. get like a special medal or something when you hit 50? We do, yeah. We actually honor long-term staff, and it seems like a lot, but we we're actually honoring next year a 60-year employee who is a cousin of mine who is was our greenhouse manager, and uh, she is our greenhouse consultant now. So, we, and we just retired. Someone just retired who was another 60-year employee. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we have a long history here. Yeah, yeah, I think it speaks very highly of a place that you have people who stay around for that long. It is, yeah. It's a great company to work for. We are very a tight group, very family-oriented in essence, and. Uh, well, my father worked here for years, and he was a head gardener when he retired, and he dragged me in here as a little boy, and, and we have lots of family members, children and family coming and working. And it's a great organization. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So could you give us maybe a brief overview of, of the gardens, like how did it come to be? Mr. Butchart uh, was a pioneer in the cement industry, and back in the early 1900s, he relocated out this way, and uh, this site was actually a very great area for limestone and, and for the possibility of producing cement. So we were actually uh, halfway down into the quarry, which you can imagine back in the early 1900s was an open pit mine. So Mr. Butchart came out, they developed a cement plant here, so they produced cement here for quite a number of years. And then eventually, like all mines, it got exhausted. Uh, the Butcharts were living on the property and uh, Mrs. Butchart, being like any horticulturalist, she saw the, the prospects and the promise of it. And she started trucking soil back in with horse and cart uh, from the local farms and just started developing all these flower beds. And the second garden is, has sort of been our main feature garden, like you, when you see historic shots of the gardens all around. The second garden is always prominently featured as our main display garden. May I ask what kind of flowers and plants you have in this area? Our annual beds, we are a display garden. So any borders that you see that have flowers in them, we transition two to three to four times a year. So we've just come out of our spring season. So we've had, we had 300,000 bulbs for our spring display. Now we're transitioning to our summer display. So a lot of uh, your traditional summer annuals like begonias, marigolds, uh, geraniums, New Guinea impatiens, things like that. Just in a lot more quantity and quality uh, than you would see in a normal home. So it's uh, something that kind of sets us apart. Nice. 
I'd like to ask maybe a little bit more about your your personal story because I find that fascinating that oh. your father pulled you in. So did you yeah. learn through your father or? Um, well, my folks immigrated here from Portugal and Mr. Ross, uh, the grandson of the butchers who took over the company, basically built us to what we are today to make us into a big display garden. Uh, he hired my dad back in the early 50s and um, my parents lived in the company house and I was actually living in the company house until I was four years old. And then when I was in school, my dad had been working here and he thought I needed some work. So he dragged me in here and I started working here when I was 14 years old. And uh, and basically we apprentice people on the job. So I, I've trained on the job. I've worked in many different areas and aspects of the gardens. Uh, through my life, I've been very fortunate to to be able to change sort of roles. I've probably changed roles about four or five times through my career here. And it's been a very rewarding experience. So you have a pretty thorough understanding of this place. I do, yeah. It's kind of it's it's kind of a part of me, I think. And you can't ask for a better spot. I always think of people who say they go into work and they go into an office and, and I come into one of the most beautiful offices in the world to work every day. And I just feel so so grateful, especially through these last couple of years, which have been a little tough. And uh but to be able to come over this the rise and then look over the garden and see the beauty that we create and the inspiration that we give to gardeners and people around the world is something very unique. Victoria is known as the City of Gardens. Yeah. And in this city, Butchart is certainly the most well-known of the gardens. Yeah. Why would you say this garden is so important to Victorians? Um, I think we've always been independent of Victoria, but I think tourism and ecotourism is becoming so popular. And gardens are always a great way for people to express themselves and in their homes and people get inspiration from us. So we, we've always provided a destination spot. And for the City of Victoria, Visitors or, or tourists like to have destination spots to go to. And I know when I travel around the world, I say I'm from Victoria, and most people ask me, "Do you know the gardens there?" So we are so our name is his has become synonymous with Victoria. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, we really appreciate the fact that we can provide this for the people of Victoria because I think we do help for ourselves because we are still very independent. We are privately owned still. We're still in the family. My great granddaughter, the Butcharts, still owns and manages uh, the business, our company, and uh, and we've stayed independent. We, It's all our own staff. Uh, it's a very unique business and, uh, and the great display garden. Yeah, I think you wouldn't necessarily expect that of a big tourist attraction, that it would be independent and family-owned. No, I think that we are very unique in that way, that we have stayed family-owned. I think that's one of the big reasons why we have been able to maintain our standards with our current owner, with her father, Mr. Ian Ross, who ran us for quite a number of years. Uh, it's always our attention to detail, our the amount of color, our display of color. Mr. Ross is always famous for wanting as much color as possible to, to wow people. He always loved that wow factor of the uh, massive plantings of color. So that's something we've always tried to maintain. And we, and we maintain a lot of Mrs. Butchart. Mrs. Butchart was a pioneer in sourcing plant material around the world. And we've tried to maintain a lot of her touches in the gardens. So where are we right now? Um, we we're in a, a newer area to the gardens. Uh, we're approaching the um, our rose carousel. And this is kind of an area that we have a little bit of fun with. We kind of lean more around children and fun, airy beds. So we're a little bit out of our normal element of planting. Um, so we actually have a little bit, a lot of fun in this area, as you'll see with the plant material. Could you say more about that? Like what kind of fun? 
Um, well, it's just you notice that uh, the, a lot of the plant material is very airy. Uh, we have some uh, alocasias, which are very unique, uh, very different. Um, we do different plants that have different movements in the, in the bit of a breeze. Uh, we have the big elephant ear alocasias, like sort of the African mass type of alocasias, and very colorful beds and different from our normal plants, sort of the typical begonias and marigolds you would see in a lot of our other display beds. So you mentioned that we're in a transitional period right now. Could you speak to how butchart changes and adapts with the seasons? Yeah, so each each season we try and um, maximize our color throughout our whole year because we have visitors coming from all over and throughout the whole the whole year we're trying to make this a year-round operation. So we plant uh, forest spring displays. We will plant a lot of early bulbs like uh, crocus and snowdrops and things and transition to daffodils, tulips. Then once those are all finished, we transition to our summer planting. So we do all of our summer annuals that we grow on site to give us color throughout the summer. Then as we go into the fall, then we will plant chrysanthemums and other fall plant material. Then we rely on our trees. Our trees will be changing color in the fall. So that gives us depth of color throughout the whole garden. And then back in the Christmas time, then we would change again and we'll become a nighttime garden. We light the whole gardens for Christmas. So we do an amazing display at Christmas. So we try and have something of interest throughout the whole year for visitors. Could you please speak to how you approach sustainability and what environmental initiatives you have? Yeah, I think that's something I'm very proud of that we've we've done here at the gardens. As visitors look around the garden and see our green lawns and our lush plants, they think we must be pumping things full of all kinds of chemicals. But we've really had a big transition in the last number of years going to uh, thinking about sustainability, thinking about the environment. Going, We've gone mostly to organic fertilizers in a lot of our flower beds now. And we also have implemented a, a quite extensive IPM program which integrated pest management. So it kind of looks at the holistic growth of plants in an overall sense. So we used to try and force plants to grow in an area they didn't want to. So now it's more of the right plant in the right place. Look at your soil conditions. Look at how things get taken up. And we use a lot of natural predators. So we've we've reduced our pesticide use substantially. Like it's almost non-existent now. So what we would use in the gardens. And we've really gone to that trend. Uh, all of the materials, see, after we pull plant material and everything, we compost it all. We haven't purchased soil in, in 20 years. So all of, our, all of our composted plants, we recycle. We have a huge uh, recycling operation. Any brush material, we grind it back up. We add it to our compost. We sterilize it using steam um, to make sure that uh, they kill any, any pathogens. So we've, we've really tried to look after everything that we do for the environment and for our own little niche in the world. Make it more of a closed loop. It is, yeah, and we're very, uh, we have our own water sources on the property. We try to recycle water wherever we can, like we will use water for our uh, heat pumps or for our heating buildings, and then that gets recirculated back into our irrigation water. We'll collect water off our parking lots and uh, store it in, in ponds and use that whenever possible. So we really are thinking about everything that we're, what we're doing around in our area, and our little bit can help so much. What are some examples of natural predators? Well, people might think the most easy one would be ladybugs, say, which would look after aphids and whatnot. They've become quite complex. We deal with a company, a local company, which has been sort of a pioneer in the uh, natural predator industry. And one of the products would be like an aphidolides, they're called. And these are things that they're, they're little bugs that will go and target uh, specific pests on plants. And it's not a, like in the old chemical days, you would try and wipe out a pest. And you would also kill a lot of beneficials. So now we actually monitor the plants. We find the, the pest that's causing us the problems. We find a natural predator. 
it will only go after that little bug and control it. So we're not wiping out a pest, we're just managing it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. I noticed some tropical plants here behind you. I'm yeah. wondering how they survive the winter. Yes, people might think, yes, we are. We are the banana belt of Canada. We like to joke about that you are quite warm, but uh, these plants are on the tropical side and they would not survive our winters. We do get the odd snowfall. We do get cold weather. So a lot of this plant material that's out here, we have protected greenhouses. So we have greenhouses where we will do our production plants. We also have a number of them that are strictly where a lot of this plant material will put it back in the greenhouses, protect it for the winter. And when the time's right each, each season, we bring it back out and put it on display. And that way it gives us a lot more creativity and a lot more, way more flexibility to so what we can actually produce and show people in our garden. And it's very unique to be able to show them in a city like Victoria, this type of material. We can see this very interesting structure behind you. Could you yeah. please tell us about it? Well, it's very, actually, it's a, a proud piece of our garden now. Um, our, our current owner is a great granddaughter of the Butcharts. One of her big passions was carousels. And uh, so she contracted this company and wanted to make her own carousel. And we actually had all the figures are hand carved wooden figures uh, she was instrumental in, in designing and the paint for the animals and which animals were chosen it's more like a menagerie of, of animals and it's all things that tie into our history here her family history or things to our visitors so it's it's very unique and then we want to do something that was a little bit environmental as well so we created this beautiful building and we actually did a green living roof on it so just to try and add to our garden. So we've added a garden to the roof space. So we're not, we didn't impact any of the environmental thing. We actually have kept it a part of the garden. One of the things you notice on the top of the building is again, like we talked about our children's area where we have a bit of fun. We do lots of topiary figures. So we've been acquiring figures and we do different displays. And you can see them on the top of the roof where we've been displaying these topiary figures hidden throughout the gardens for children to find. So it's kind of a fun thing for kids to do. And this, the carousel has really helped promote, I think, promote gardening and children because we've got to get that next generation wanting to be involved in gardening, wanting to enjoy it and wanting to, to appreciate gardens. I noticed there are totems. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about them, please? Yeah, so one of the very neat projects that we were involved with for our 100-year anniversary of the gardens and respecting the lands that we were on, we contracted out to a couple of local carvers and we actually set them up on site and through one whole that whole summer of 2004 they carved these beautiful totem poles for the garden so they were on site carving the totem poles and we had the big ceremony to actually install them so i think it's a way to honor our, the local heritage and uh, we have this, these beautiful pieces of art that we can display in our garden so where are we now uh, we were just in front of our begonia bower. So this, back in the day, was Mr. Butchart. Mr. Butchart was a bird fan, a bird fanatic. So this used to be his aviary. So he, he had all kinds of different rare birds. Mrs. Butchart was the plant person. Mr. Butchart loved his, his birds. Uh, and then after, after the time, we've um, developed this into a beautiful hanging garden. So we display begonias and fuchsias in this area. There seems to be a very wide variety of flowers here right now. Yeah, the one nice thing about, uh, again, like begonias, people say begonias might be a, a bedding plant, a very basic bedding plant. But when you look at these tuberous varieties, there are hundreds of varieties, different varieties of begonias, and there are hundreds of lots of different varieties of fuchsias. So each one has its unique characteristics of the flower, and they might be crossbred so that you get 
the best of this flower with the best of that flower. So you get some really beautiful combinations. And, and the fuchsias are, are a flower. If you look at them, there's so many different combinations of colors and, and styles and sizes of the blooms. So it's, it's such a beautiful way to display color. So it's like a more like a, a vertical garden rather than just being a, a flat plain garden. These pink and purple ones just behind us, are they yeah. fuchsias? So they remind the me of columbine. Are they related at all? They are very similar flowers, you know, and actually that's an interesting question. This kind of stumped me. <laughs> I'm not too sure. <laughs> That's the family. Yeah. yeah, just they just they like we've been looking at them a lot because um because columbine are native. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Do you incorporate native plants into these gardens? We actually we do uh, try and uh, incorporate as much native plant material as we can. Uh, we are a display garden, so we are known for our color and our mass plantings of different annuals. But anywhere that we can naturalize areas, we do try and utilize as much local product as possible. Like, like I was saying earlier with our IPM program, it's growing the right plant in the right place. And we're not going to try and force something. So if something is native, it has some attractive features to it that we can utilize, we will definitely use it. And, and you can actually see we're actually surrounded by native plant material. When you look at our the, the Douglas firs, our uh, native maple trees, all kinds of different material that, that borders our gardens is all native plant material. And I just saw a bee buzzing behind you. Do you have bees here at all or? We don't keep bees personally, but uh, there are some local bee keepers in, in the area. So they, they get the benefit of using our garden for, for their products. So I think they love being close to us and situated near us. So we provide a lot of the honey for the local, for the local area. You're part of the wider bee ecosystem. We are, yes. Yeah, and actually uh, for years, there was a fellow just up, on, just up the street who uh, had bees there forever when I was younger. So it's definitely something in the area and uh, we do what we can. Is there much community involvement at the garden? Um, I think we are different uh, from a lot of the gardens you might see like in Victoria, that there are a lot of the gardens rely on volunteer help and they do really rely on that for their, um, for their maintenance and, and sustainability. We've always been very fortunate. We were in the family, we were a private company and we've always maintained a very private entity. So we have all our own staff, Everybody in the company is actually hired staff, so we don't rely uh, on volunteer help. It's a benefit to us because then we can maintain our standards. We have our set staff and we can do things to our standard and we train people the way we want to, to get things done. Our community involvement would be from people enjoying the gardens. We do our season's pass, which is a fantastic deal for folks. And we see our local group of walkers coming out every morning, the same folks come out every day and uh, they just love the garden. It's such a beautiful place to come and come up for a stroll and see different things through all the different seasons. Yeah, that sounds like just a really nice routine. It is a very nice routine, yeah. And uh, and they get to know our staff too, like you know, on a first name basis with a lot of our staff. We're a very safe place to walk, especially for older folks. We have uh, we do everything we can to maintain our level surfaces so it's an easy walk. We allow pets, we allow dogs in here so people can actually come and walk their dogs if they like. So. Is there a specific area or flower that is your preferred <laughs> plant or garden? I get asked that a lot. And I could say right now, that because I'm right here, begonia is my favorite flower. I do have a little bit of a passion for more of a Mediterranean style garden. And I think it ties back into my heritage. So we do have the Mediterranean garden, which is one of my favorites. And that kind of gives us a little bit of a opportunity to, to grow plants that are not really unique to this area. Again, we were filling by the carousel beds you know a lot of that plant material i really love but as far as flowers go some of the new guinea impatience 
and as things come out, I just love the, the next new unique flower. And I just love that. And I just, you know, I just can't wait to see it blooming and that. So I always have a new favorite plant. Like, yeah. Depends on the season. It depends on the season. Yes, it does for sure. Was there anything that you would like to add? Anything you thought you wanted to say that you haven't? Um, I think one of the things I kind of love about the gardens is when you look around right now, um, again, we are known for our display beds. And, but when you look at certain times of the year, like right now, there's the depth of the trees. We've just come out of our spring season, which is one of my favorite times of the year. We do so many different types of daffodils and tulips. And it's a gorgeous time that we transition to our summer which I just love the different colors. But uh, we even have like our Japanese garden, which we didn't touch on today. This is the one garden where we don't do annual plantings, but it provides its own beauty. It's more of a tranquil garden for visitors to experience. And it will provide a color through the azaleas and rhododendrons in the spring, like right now, that's sort of helping us in our transition period. In the fall, the, the colors down there, it just it's like it glows some days in the fall. So there's beauty in every part of the garden. And, uh, and you just take your time to just wander and enjoy the garden. I just think it's so, especially in these times after we, what we've come through, I think it's so appreciated by everybody to go and enjoy a garden, enjoy the fragrances again, and enjoy the bees and the birds who are wandering and enjoying the garden. We have visitor comments all the time, and we actually, we, we read all the visitor comments, and just the, the joy that we can give to people and bring people back, especially through these times, they come out and enjoy the garden and enjoy new fresh beds and new life and color. I think it really in, helps inspire people. And even if we just help somebody make a little bit of a difference in their own home garden or create a little flower bed on their home or create something on their deck to give them color, give them a little bit of an idea, I think it's going to help us all. I agree. Beautifully said. After speaking with Carlos, we were taken to the former Butchart residence to learn about their history of tea service there. We met our next guest in the conservatory, which was such a beautiful room all the tables are covered with white linen tablecloths and it's full of latticed windows lined with plants overlooking the garden. Yeah, it is gorgeous in there. And they were kind enough to show us the other rooms, which are equally impressive, but we chose to sit in the conservatory because it had an exquisite glow in the morning sunlight, which you can see in the video. And now let's get to the interview. Could you please start by introducing yourself? So my name is Travis Hansen. I'm the executive chef at the Butcher Gardens. I've been working on this property for the last 29 years, which has been amazing. It's, uh, I've been spoiled every day I come to work to be surrounded by the beautiful plants and location. How long have you been the executive chef? I've been the executive chef um, for the last 12 years here. Prior to that, I was the chef de cuisine of the dining room restaurant, also on property here. So what does it mean in your role now? Do you design all the menus here? I do. We, we're really lucky to have a strong team. So we work together um, with the chefs, the pastry chef, as well as our, you know, the other departments on the gardens to, to come up with the menus. So it's definitely a collaborative process, I think, when we're coming up with menus. We look at seasonality, the trends, allergies and food sensitivities is a big thing we're really cognizant of lately, just to make sure that we can offer different menus for, for people. You know, they're coming international, so we have to be cognizant of that. And how long has there been tea service here at Butchart Gardens? So I guess in, informally it started in the early 50s with uh, Mrs. Ross. She would offer up strawberry shortcakes and crumpets, um, little tea sandwiches. And she was actually doing it in this room here, which is our conservatory. 
So it's, it's got about a 70, a 70 year lineage to it. And, and over the years, it's expanded into different rooms and different offerings. But it's say, yeah, that, that culture here personally has been, you know, we're, we're over 70 years of service right now. Why do you think it is that Victoria responds so well to like afternoon tea? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I've found it's, just, it's very fitting. It's very fitting with the, the old British colonial culture and, and the buildings and the history and the architecture and just, I think the gardens is, is very conducive to um, to sitting. It's a slower pace that we don't see too often anymore. Everything else is so busy. Whereas I think coming here for tea, we want it to be a, an experience of sitting with your family, sharing, talking, slowing the pace down. And, and the gardens is great for that. And it's just nice to come. We find when people come here, they are relaxed. They they want to sit. They want to share. They want to engage with their their company. So. That's something we want to encourage in this environment also is calm and, and relaxed and, and comfortable. Do you have a house blend of tea? We do, yeah. We, uh, we were fortunate to, to work with some great suppliers. So we've come up with, with our own tea blends. Really popular was years ago for the anniversary of the property, we came up with a 100-year anniversary blend. And that's been our, our most popular tea blend. And also being aware now of people wanting decaffeinated products. So we have herbal teas, um, mint tea, lemongrass, um, green tea and such. What's in the 100-year blend? It was a blend that we um, we created to get to celebrate the 100-year anniversary. So in 2004 was, uh, was the year. So it's a blend of black Chinese gunpowder tea as well as green tea. Um, and we find it has a nice kind of smoky earthiness to it, which actually goes really well with the tea. It's not super floral, which we have other ones, but it, it, it's a unique tea that is it's by far our most popular um, loose stick tea for our customers. And the name gunpowder tea, that comes from the aesthetics. No, it's not actual gunpowder. It's not actual gunpowder. We, we do get asked that question, but no, it's the uh, the tea leaves are, they're, they're formed to little balls almost. So they're very much like a, like a little pellet or a little, uh, a little BB, like a little gunpowder um, specimen there yeah i went into a like a google hole recently because i read something about gunpowder tea and i was like what is, yeah. what is that <laughs> it's very catchy it, it does spark a lot of conversation with people so it's a good uh it's a good segue for the servers when they're they're introducing themselves to tables to to tell the story of how that uh, that tea came to be so when people come here for afternoon tea what do they get could you walk us through the tower absolutely we, we start out, it, it's sometimes me, uh, it's a little unique, but we'll start out with an English trifle, so a traditional English trifle, so sponge cake, seasonal fruit compote, a diplomat cream on top, so they, they start out with that. Then every guest gets their choice of a loose leaf tea, so one of our um, individually crafted teas, so that's specific to the customer. And then we're working down from the tiers, we'll do our house-made scone, which is a ginger scone, which is an old family recipe, actually one of the recipes from... Mrs. Butchert, so that's been her signature scone for as long as uh, as long as we've been in existence here. Um, then there's a Devon cream and a house-made jam, so that will sometimes change, but strawberry or one of our local preserves. Then we go into a plate of sandwiches. So you, the finger sandwiches, there's always, you know, a chicken. So this year we're doing um, smoked alba fortuna. We're also doing local pork from um, Berryman's Farms, which is down by Island View Beach chicken from the couch and valley as well as some vegetarian options so again just we really want to showcase seasonality what's local what's fresh and what ties into um, what we want our tea to be 
So does your does that tea menu change throughout the year? We do. We offer um, we'll do high tea in the winter time, so it's a little more substantial, a little more focused on savory and warmer items there. And then we'll do a springtime tea. We are doing fun teas now at Christmas to celebrate Christmas, also Mother's Day. So we're, we're, we're coming up with about four or five different tea menus. We're really fortunate also that all of our products are made in-house. So we have a separate pastry department. So all the sweets, all of the, the jams, the compotes, the sandwiches, everything is made in-house. You mentioned local producers. I'm curious, is there anything grown on site in the gardens that you incorporate into the menu? We're really fortunate on property to have a herb garden and edible flower garden. So it's something that's behind the scenes. It's not open to public, but it's something we're able to utilize all the time. So we'll do infusions into some of our vinegars and our honeys. You'll see our chefs are going out and we're collecting mint and basil and tarragon oregano, as well as all the edible flowers. So we'll have pansies, um, bellas, flowering sage, flowering rosemary, and we'll use those into, uh, into a lot of the products on the different menus. So this room that we're in right now is really beautiful. Could you tell us a bit about the history of it? Well, this was, uh, so we, we, it's affectionately known as the conservatory, or we call it the conservatory. And this was the, the first room that was offered for, um, or was offered up for tea. Um, it's just such a, a beautiful way to bring the light in in the gardens. And you almost get to, you feel like you're inside of a greenhouse, which is really nice. So this is, it's a pretty special room. I think a lot of people will ask to be sat in this room. It's just, it's a very unique space compared to some of the other properties or other spaces in the property here. And this was the, the residence of the Butchart family, is that This correct? was, yeah. This, this building was their original residence. Um, and then over, uh, you know, through the last 120 years has been expanded and grown. And, and it's got multiple different rooms, which is neat. Lots of characters. So depending, you know, people can come three and four and five times and sit in different rooms and, and almost have a different experience, even though you're having the same tea or the same products. It just has a different feel. And this one's really fun and light and lively. Yeah. Could you please describe the other rooms? Mm -hmm. So some of the other um, spaces we have available in the dining room is our white room, which was their formal dining room. We also have a room called the breakfast room, which is really neat, really soft colors. It looks over the Italian gardens. Another room we have available is the tango room. And we'll use that quite often in the wintertime. It's got a really homey feel, rich woodwork, fireplace, Lots of history. So again, you're able to see, have multiple different experiences within the same building, which is nice. How do you feel coming to work in this beautiful space? <laughs> I feel pretty blessed every day to show up here. I, um, I was born and raised five kilometers up the road, and now I live about four kilometers down the road. So yeah, pretty much every day showing up. It's just, it's a spectacular property. It changes through the year also, so it's uh, it's kind of different. Every, every year you show up, you're seeing something different and you're watching the gardens grow as well as, as seeing the property change. And it, it's, it's neat to see the, the change of seasons here. It, it's something you can come back every couple months and, and it's, it's going to be a different experience or a different, uh, a different feel to the property. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty lucky to, uh, to be working here every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty special. And it's such a day like today as well. It's so nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gorgeous. And the garden's in great shape. And I think uh, it was a bit of a slower, uh, a slower summer so far or a later spring. But I think they say it should be in great shape for the rest of the year. Yeah. So I wonder if, if that's affected the menus at all, the, the colder spring. 
it's still a little cooler out right now, so we are finding um, we've added more savory items and a little less sweets right now, but that'll change. As the weather gets warmer, we are finding that people's palate changes, and I think as the we see more international customers return back, they, that definitely has an impact on what we offer and, and what people are looking for. Yeah. And what is your personal relationship with tea? I love the fact that it's it's slower paced. It's, it's, it gives people a chance to... Just come in, they can relax, they can engage with their company. It's, it's something I, I grew up with. I remember, you know, having my conversations with my grandparents and it was it was something that just allowed you to be almost disarmed and, and, and get into stories and, and storytelling time. And I, that's what I like about it. Where are your grandparents from? My grandparents were from Denmark. Or my, on my father's side was born in Denmark, so my dad was also born in Denmark. And my mother's side... She was born on James Island, which is just a little island just off of Island View Beach. Um, so I have a local connection with uh, with that part of it also. What kind of tea did they drink? <laughs> uh, the Danes were lots of coffee. They uh, they were all about coffee in Denmark. And then my mother's side, they were English background, so lots of black tea. Right. It seems like there's a garden indoors as well as outdoors. You're surrounded by beautiful flowers here. Does the staff in this restaurant take care of all the flowers or is the staff from outside take care of all of these flowers? No, I, I wish I could take credit for all the flowers you are seeing inside the gardens here, but no, we've got a very, very talented gardening staff and they're responsible for, uh, for all the beautiful plants you see indoors. And it does, it does feel like you're actually sitting inside of a garden right now. It's something we, we, we take pride in. Do you garden yourself? I, I love gardening. Yeah. Very avid. I think I'm drawn more towards the vegetables and the edible products, whereas my wife is drawn more towards the cut flowers and the, and the, the beautiful looking ones. But yeah, my, my heart is definitely in what you can eat, what I can serve, what I can garnish the plates with. Well, it's nice that you balance each other out then. You can do the whole garden between you. It's, it's probably a healthy balance between the two of us because uh, if not, we'd just have vegetables and we'd have be overrun with how to, uh, how to eat everything. So Just like too many courgettes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's zucchini for our North American audience. <laughs> Thank you so much to Carlos and Travis and to everyone at Butcher Gardens for hosting us. Do check out the video episode so you can see the beautiful gardens for yourself. Or you can visit our social media channel at Tea and Gardens YYJ. Cheers and happy gardening. <laughs>